We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, what's going on, everybody? Welcome into Candlestick Chronicles, a 49ers podcast on the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am Kyle Madsen. I write about the 49ers over at NinersWire.com, part of the USA Today Sports Media Group. He is Chris Biederman, credentialed media member, and we're going to talk about the 49ers win over the Seahawks and the fact that the 49ers are now the number one seed in the NFC. Well, we'll dive into all of that. But first, shout out to the homies over at Lamb Chops. SGLambChops.com is the website. At SG Lamb Chops on Instagram to check out how to style their clothes. They got reels. They got photos. Old items, new items. They have their new fall and winter 2023 collection. It's got a new t-shirt, a new hoodie, new sweatpants, soul fire. The Letterman jacket, it's so sick. It's comfortable, high quality. And you can get 20% off your order with promo code Candlestick20. Hell Yeah. I apologize for being a little bit late. Um, as one could imagine, traffic coming home coming home from Santa Clara to Sacramento. Not ideal. Uh, almost took us about three hours, but we made it. But the first gross. thing I did... Gross, gross. Yeah, the first thing I did when I got home was change into my lamb chop sweatshorts. And uh, let me tell you, one of my best decisions I've made um, in a while. So um, shout out to lamb chops. Super comfortable. Obviously, if you you could see me you would know how important it is to look why don't you show us why don't you just stand up and show yeah i'm not gonna do that um (laughs) so yeah shout out to lamb chops and uh and we appreciate them for for supporting the pod candlestick 20 at sglambchops.com 20 percent off your order join the herd today we're also sponsored by cooperage brewing you know i was uh cooperagebrewing.com that's a website i was uh, pulling out of my my driveway today went and watched football with my grandma today and I was pulling out of my driveway, and as I'm doing so, this guy is getting out of his car, decked out in Niner gear, head to toe, red Deion Sanders jersey on, Niner hat, the whole shebang. And I said, you know what? I was like, hey, bro, don't know this guy. Hey, bro, you like beer? And he goes, yeah, I like beer. I was like, I got you, dog. Ran in, got him a four-pack of the Candy Cron. Oh, and yeah? I hope he's, I hope, I hope he's listening to the podcast because I was like, me and my buddy host a Niners pod, and this is our, uh, this is our, our beer. We partnered with this brewery. And he was like, all right, I'll check it out. So um, I hope he didn't lie to me. And I hope he's checking it out. Shout out Enjoy this me. beer and subscribe, rate, and review. Um, <laughs> if you don't do talking... those things, bring the beer back. <laughs> one, one idea that we, we've had, um, and I don't know if this is appropriate to say on the pod or not. But uh, Great. why not? Maybe, maybe next year, like next football season, we get a QR code for the, uh, for the pod to stick on the beer can. That'd so be people, tight. So people That'd know. Be tight. We'll work on that. We'll uh, you can order a be. case of beer. You can order a case of beer at cooperagebrewing.com. It doesn't even have to be Candlestick Chronicles Hazy IPA, though we definitely recommend that one. You can get a mix and match case. Maybe you want an oatmeal stout, which sounds incredible right about now. I don't have any. I should probably get some. Maybe you want a pale ale. Maybe you want uh, pills. Maybe you want a sparkling seltzer. Whatever you want, they've got it for you at cooperagebrewing.com. If you are I've online, been, uh, and you're 21 and up, and in the state of California, they will ship it right to your front door. I've been saying it, but still drinking the moment of truth. Um, it's a really, really yeah. good uh, West Coast IPA. Brewed with Simcoe and Mosaic. It's at 6.7%. Of course, you must be of age in California to be able to uh, have the beer shipped directly to you. But 
as you always say, there's no better way to acquire beer than to just have a case of delicious beer show up to your front door. I've acquired beer a lot of ways, and that's a single way, single best one, <laughs> top of the list. It's not even close. The second best way is to, when you're not 21 and you find someone outside of 7-Eleven to buy it for you. We do not endorse illegal activity <laughs> on this podcast. Well, that's why it is purely second best. hypothetical. That's why it is second best. So do we, Lori. So <laughs> do we. All right, let's get to the pod. Blue Liar. Hey, this is George Kittle, and you're listening to Candlestick Chronicles. Like, <laughs> it take forever to talk like I'm waiting for the intro to play. No, uh, <laughs> the 49ers beat the Seahawks 28-16. to They are now the number one seed in the NFC after the Cowboys beat the Eagles 33-13. to That puts the 49ers, Cowboys, and Eagles in a three-way tie for first. At the top of the NFC, because the 49ers beat both of those teams head-to-head, they hold the head-to-head tiebreaker, and... That's where that's where things stand as of 8.45 p.m. on December 10th. 49ers back in the top spot. And the Detroit Lions lost in Chicago today to fall to 9-4. Mm-hmm. So really, between the Niners winning, the Cowboys winning, and the Lions losing, um, from a standing standpoint, it couldn't have been a better day for the 49ers. Yeah, the, um, the, the Vikings could have lost, which would have just clinched the Niners mm-hmm. a playoff spot, but that's... If the Niners win next week, they also clinch. So that was a kind of clerical thing. And the Giants could still upset the Packers at MetLife Stadium on Monday and clinch the Niners a playoff spot this week. How about in two weeks, the Eagles have gone from the one seed to the five seed? Tough. You Tough really seed. just, you really hate to see it. <laughs> you know? Especially to such such a lovely, yeah. lovely fan base, understanding, welcoming. Yeah. No, just really, really good, kind... <laughs> you know friendly folks yeah that that you know if the, if you know you're nice to them they'll be nice to you and only throw triple a batteries at your head it's a just a just a good group and uh you know feel great for for cowboys fans too another good group <laughs> <laughs> okay we're not we're not gonna bash just, uh, just, other fans. Fans. <laughs> just like yeah and the niners beat the seahawks you know speaking of good groups of fans <laughs> yeah there um, are literally dozens of them we're yeah we're not <laughs> we're not doing that but uh so the Niners have won five straight and you know one thing that we talked about when the Niners beat the Cowboys October 8th that was their fifth straight win mm-hmm. um and we talked about them at that point as the best team in the NFL might be historically good like as good as the 1994 team um they lot and then they went on to lose three straight games which made that take feel pretty dumb in in the moment but then in the five weeks since that losing streak, the 49ers have won all five of their games. Um, just about all of them have been blowouts or felt uh, they've all been by double digits, actually, now that I look. Mm-hmm. And so they handled the Jaguars by 31. They beat the Bucks by 13. They beat the Seahawks by 28. They beat the Eagles by 23. To do 23, thank you, and then uh, and then they beat the the Seahawks today by 12. So I just, you know, like this feels like, and you know, knock on wood, don't want to jinx anything. This feels like the 49ers Super Bowl to lose at this point, like with the Chiefs losing again, with so many teams in the AFC sort of being question marks, and with the Niners now taking control of the NFC and it looking like you know. The, that three-game losing streak does feel a little bit more fluky as time goes on. And obviously, injuries played a big role in that. And Debo Samuel's absence from two of those games in particular feels really big, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so it just feels like the the cream is rising to the top. And at this point, right. the 49ers are the cream. Yeah, it definitely feels like you're starting to see that there's maybe four teams that can win the Super Bowl this year. 
maybe five. And the 49ers are definitely one of them. And today was a really good example. The last two weeks, actually, I think have been really good examples of there's just not, and this isn't breaking news, but last week it was a ton of short throws to the boundaries, yards after the catch, et cetera, et cetera. This week it was just explosive play after explosive play. It was downfield throw from Brock Purdy. It was a catch and run on a short throw. It was Christian McCaffrey getting behind Trent Williams and going 72 yards on the first play of the game. Christian McCaffrey, Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel, and George Kittle all had plays of 40 yards or more. McCaffrey had four explosive plays. Debo Samuel had three. Brandon Ayuk had three. And George Kittle had one. Like, that's 11 explosive plays out of four dudes is remarkable. And there's just not a way... You saw Purdy, for, for, for me anyway, you saw him struggle early in the game a little bit where it didn't look like he quite had a grip on on what Seattle was doing. Uh, he had the a couple of near interceptions. He had the, the the play early in the game where he like pump faked and then took a sack. It was just a not a good start, but it reminded me of the Giants game a little bit where he comes out a little a little bit shaky because the Giants were just blitzing every every snap. There were five, six, seven guys rushing the passer. And eventually Purdy and Shanahan and everybody figured it out. And I thought you saw that again. Well, I think you saw it against the Eagles, and I think you saw it again today where he struggles a little bit coming out of the gate, but then they figure something out. And I think what they figured out today was there were openings over the top because Seattle was driving down so hard on those in-breaking throws, and Purdy's going to take advantage of that. Like, you can't just handcuff the Niners' offense by taking away between the hashes within 10 yards of the line of scrimmage anymore. It's just not going to fly. So I'm looking at the game book and in the game book, there's, there's a, a section at the end. It's the 10 longest plays for each team. Um, and the first seven of them, five of them are, you know, there's like a little, um, there's a little description of the play. It's Christian McCaffrey left tackle for 72 yards. Right. And then mm-hmm. it says Brock Purdy deep pass to Debo Samuel, 54 yards touchdown. Five of those seven plays are called deep passes. Mm-hmm. Right. And it it goes to show that after last week, I forget how many throws he had. What what was it? He, he had no he had one throw of what oh, longer no. than 15 yards. Yeah, it was a 16 yard throw is his longest air yards throw. And he had I don't know how many he had off the top of my head today, but it feels like he had at least five or six that, that went for big gains. Right. I have his passing chart in a second. Hang on. But go ahead. The point is, like, you know, I went to the game today and I, I like to go when I can because obviously it's important to, like, actually get some of the players' perspective. <laughs> sure. Um, and after George Kittle had his big scrum, and I don't know if he mentioned this or, or if, he, if, if this has been in any of the reporting that's been out since the game ended, but um, obviously George Kittle gasses up his quarterbacks and, and says a lot of positive thing about his quarterbacks. That's nothing new. But I was talking to him about, afterwards just like the idea of Brock Purdy being you know a check down merchant or whatever and obviously like I don't you know he's he's been one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL in terms of efficiency when it comes to deep throws right coming into the game he led the NFL with a 68 percent adjusted completion rate which was the highest in the league according to pro football focus um and you know, George Kittle scoffed. I was like, yeah, a lot of people think he's he's just kind of a check down guy. And obviously Kittle scoffed at that. And he was like, more or less, <laughs> don't get me started on the quote unquote perception of Brock Purdy, which I understand. <laughs> and then, uh, you know, I was asking him a little bit like, is this something when it like, because every single throw, it seemed like, or all the completions, the deep completions, particularly today against Seattle, he, he's hitting the guys completely in stride. Like they are falling in a way where these guys do not have to break stride and it allows them to get the yards after the catch. Right. And obviously that's super important because even Jimmy Garoppolo. And again, we're not just trying to shit on Jimmy Garoppolo, but when there were deep passes, it was like, all right, the receiver would have to turn around and stop or slow down and catch him and get tackled or just like leap to fall to the ground. Right. And he wasn't uh, a good deep passer. He wasn't a good deep passer. So what you get with Brock Purdy what you the big one of the big differences with Brock Purdy is on those deep passes he's hitting those receivers in target or in stride so they can they can score touchdowns 
and what and so i asked kid i was like is that is that like a chemistry thing is that something you guys like work on is it all timing and he's like no it's just kind of like natural for him it's just like a natural yeah. quarterback depth perception the way you throw the way you play like that he's just been a natural at that since he really you know became came to the NFL and obviously Kyle Shanahan tapped into that. You remember in that Bucks game, his first ever start, the end of the first half, he's hucking it deep to Brandon Ayuk instead of playing it conservatively, which Kyle Shanahan so often did mm-hmm. before halftime, right? And one thing that what the most interesting thing Kittle said to me was he was like, look, defenses are so are so scared of the 49ers beating them over the top with deep plays that they typically try to take away the deep throws, which leads to Brock Purdy checking down as often as he does. And so, like, which is hilarious, given the perception that Brock Purdy's just this check down merchant. It's like, no, teams are scared of Brock Purdy throwing deep. Opposing teams are scared about Brock Purdy throwing deep. So they overcompensate and play deep to allow plays underneath. And that's why people think Brock Purdy is a check down merchant. Right. It's like the NFL teams, the teams who are scheming up against Brock Purdy are like, no, we cannot get beat deep by this guy. He's way too good at it. But yet there's still this national perception that Purdy is like is not this dude who can who can effectively throw deep. And today was a game that signified he absolutely can't. I know the Seahawks defense isn't great, but it it was it seemed like every big play was a deep Purdy throw, aside from Christian McCaffrey running for 72 yards on the first snap. The whole check down merchant thing is fake as fuck because <laughs> no it is it's horseshit dude people don't watch nearly as much i'm gonna say football here but sports as they think they do they just don't and so a lot of people probably don't watch much 49er football and then they watched the eagles game last week where yeah it was a lot of underneath stuff it was it, there was not a ton of deep stuff because the eagles didn't want them to throw it so he took the underneath stuff and people go, oh, wow, look, oh, look, it's all yak. See, that's all he does. And that's their perception. They watch one 49er game. They go, I watch 49ers all the time. Brock Purdy just throws it short. It's, what I, it's, it's just in my eyes. Don't give me your numbers. I trust my eyeballs. And that's where they get their perception from. Because that was- anybody who watches anybody who watches film, except, except for Steven Ruiz, everybody else, though, <laughs> Literally, every anybody who watches Kurt Warner, uh, Dan Orlovsky, JTO Sullivan, friend of the show, and, like pick up Greg Cosell, like pick a pick a person. And Mike Lombardi. Mike Lombardi, sure, that's a guy. David Lombardi, <laughs> it's another guy. We know how David Lombardi <laughs> feels, dude. Big big fan. Uh, no, I, I so. They they will tell you how good this guy is at playing football, and I think you saw. I mean, you saw more of it today. It's not only the fact that he's willing to throw it downfield; he's doing it like like I think I mentioned this the other day. He's doing it about as often in terms of like rate, because his his counting stats on attempts just aren't going to be as high because the Niners are blowing teams out and running the ball a lot. They his, they have the fewest. They came into Sunday with the fewest pass attempts in the league. Right. So they're just they, they play from ahead, they're a running team, but they do right. take deep shots. Right. His his deep pass rate was tied with Josh Allen and ahead of Trevor Lawrence and Justin Herbert. He guys perceived to with cannons, so they must throw it down the field all the time. And it's just not that's not right. It's not accurate. So um I think today was a really good juxtaposition of okay, there was last week there was a lot of checkdowns, it was relying on a lot of yak, and then it was this week where it's 40 plus yards in the air to Brandon Ayuk and it's 40 plus yards in the air to Debo Samuel. And it's there's yak for sure. There's yards after the catch, but um, that was not a check down merchant performance. Absolutely. He was really, um, yeah, man. Like, I, I think that's the thing that I will take out of today was just like, no, this was just a game where like Brock was, was really pushing it deep. And the 368 yards are a season high. Career, um, high. career high. Good point. I mean, it's technically it's like his first season, so <laughs> it's yeah, kind of the same thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But no, I mean that. Like, and and another thing too about today. How often have we mentioned the fact that like 
when one of the when one of their pass catchers goes off, it feels like generally just one of them do, right? Mm-hmm. It's like Debo yes. will have 120 yards or Ayuk yep. will have 120 yards on any given week, but it feels like it never happens at the same time. Today mm-hmm. you got seven catches, 149 yards for Debo. One of them coming on a pop pass, which is a running play. It's fine. It doesn't matter. <laughs> uh, and Brandon Ayuk had six catches for 126 yards. And George Kittle had three catches for 76. Like the Niners are also, you know, we like they obviously have a lot of good players, but you don't often see balanced performances like this, right? Like you you have one guy really jumping off in, from the stat sheet in terms of production. Today it was all right. three. Not to mention Christian McCaffrey had 145 yards rushing um, and didn't get in the end zone. Just a super disappointing performance from CMC. But it's um, like, why do they pay him? (laughs) What's even the point? (laughs) (laughs) Um, No, but it like today when you have like none of these dudes are decoys right now, right? Like sometimes it feels like, okay, Debo's kind of a decoy or. You know, CMC right. is pulling linebackers this direction and it allows like other things to happen for other guys. It's like, nope, you're going to get 145 from the running back, 149 from one of the receivers, 126 from the other receiver, and then 76 from your all pro tight end. Can I? Here's a this is wild. So, you know, typically when a guy has 145 yards, it'll be, you know, 25 carries something like that or if a player has a 72 yard run in a game and then you subtract that from his rushing total it's kind of like a meh game right McCaffrey if you take away his 72 yard carry still averaged 4.9 per carry on 15 attempts that's insane he's a a hall of famer dude it's I yeah he's unreal Unbelievable. If he stays healthy on this pace and like has another couple seasons like this, he's a Hall of Famer. I, Particularly I, if the Niners win the Super Bowl. Yes. Yes. Uh I tweeted this during the game. And shout out to Marcus Thompson, who wrote a really good piece about Debo Samuel in the Athletic. You should go read it. It is really, really good, as is everything Marcus Thompson writes. But Brandon Ayuk set a new career high in receiving yards with a thousand twenty no he's up he's more than that now. Forget what his number is, but he was at a thousand twenty three after his forty five yard catch. Mm-hmm. He set his new career high in receiving yards on twenty three fewer catches than he had last year. And he still has four games to go. I know he was averaging wasn't he close to like leading the league in yards per catch he was he was leading the league in yards per catch and i'm guessing he still is after averaging more than 20 per catch again today in fact 21 exactly on the dot yeah he came in he came in leading the league 18 and a half yards per reception and that went up today he's averaging 18 and a half yards per reception you know how like what his target or his completion rate is when targeted it's like 70 yeah, sixty nine point four percent. Jeez, nice. So he's basically like at one of the highest, like <laughs> a quarterback completing sixty nine percent of their passes. You'd be thrilled with. Mm-hmm. But imagine averaging eighteen point five yards per catch. <laughs> That's outrageous. Ayuk is insane. And we'll talk about you know like what his next contract would look like and um, yeah, it's. But also, I get. I mean, maybe we can mention it now. Chase Young made some plays today. Like Chase Young had mm-hmm. um, a sack or at least a half sack on the two point conversion try. It doesn't go down that, as a sack though. It doesn't, which count. sucks for your boys' prize picks, but it's fine. Yeah. Go on. But he also had. Um, he got to Drew Locke, who we haven't even mentioned. Drew Locke started today. Uh, he got to him and hit the ball or hit his arm on that fourth down interception for for Fred Warner. Um, and there was a little bit of discussion, like, do you pay Chase Young or Brandon Ayuk? I mean, I I don't think that's really the choice. I think that you're going to have to get a little bit more creative than that if you're the 49ers when it comes to figuring out how you pay Ayuk. Mm-hmm. But if Chase Young is not playing every down over somebody like Cleveland Farrell and Brandon Ayuk is like the most efficient receiver in the NFL and one of the best separators in the league, which tr- 
PFF is proven and George Jahori came on our podcast last week and talked about mm-hmm. you're paying Ayuk like 11 times out of 10. Yeah, I, I completely agree. He is a bona fide number one receiver. He's really and I did, I, he's, he's doing all this in an offense that has the lowest number of pass attempts in the league. And he's sharing the ball with Debo Samuel, George Kittle, and Christian McCaffrey. Can you imagine a player of that caliber in an offense where he got like 10 targets a game? It might be like Justin Jefferson type stuff. Legitimately. Like that sounds like hyperbole because Justin Jefferson is 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 awesome, but I, I think Brandon Ayuk is that good. Yeah, I agree. It's the <laughs> I like the 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 49ers thing of we can't get anything going on offense, so let's just start force feeding Debo Samuel until he breaks through and something happens. I like that that happened today. I was a big fan of that because they scored the touchdown and then went punt punt interception. How about a deep a, a deep ball touchdown to Debo? Yeah. I haven't seen that. That was new. Very often. It was a cool design though. Greg Olson telestrated it. It was Yeah. It was cool. Taking yeah, advantage I did of the, the fact thing... that Jamal Adams sucks. <laughs> God, Jamal Adams. He had one like run stop at the line of scrimmage and he like did this weird celebration thing. And it was like a gang tackle, so like you know, <laughs> yeah. cool celebration, I guess. And then like the very next possession he gets dusted for a deep <laughs> touchdown <flambe>. yeah <laughs> gets dusted for, for for a touchdown by a guy who's not even like a deep threat typically yeah typically that was one could even guy. say that yikes such a, that... <laughs> one could say that yeah they definitely could <laughs> one could say yikes in reaction to jamal adams getting beat yeah that was Debo's mm. play. hey what's up y'all it's kyle madsen from candlestick chronicles here to talk to you about factor now, look, th- so I have this whole read in front of me, okay? And Factor wants me to, to remind you that they're the number one ready-to-eat meal delivery service, all right? Chef-prepared, dietitian approved ready-to-eat meals. You poke holes in the top, you throw it in the microwave, two minutes, you got yourself lunch, you got yourself dinner. They have the calorie smart where it's like 550 calories or less per serving. Uh, if you want to support your wellness goals during the holidays, you can do the Protein Plus meals. It's like 30 grams of protein. They do breakfast, they do lunch, they do smoothies, they do grab-and-go snacks, they do, I mean, I mean, you name it. Factor's got it, all right? Holiday season is one of my favorite times of the year, and it is also one of the busiest times of the year, and honestly, like, when we started working with Factor, I was kind of hesitant because I had done a, a meal prep service before, and it was not, it was not my favorite thing, and Factor was really freaking good, man. I got Indian butter chicken. I got green pepper and beef casserole, sun-dried tomato chicken, turkey chili and zucchini. <clears throat> I'm not a vegan, but I got two vegan meals, three bean vegan chili, and roasted tomato and feta cavatappi. All bangers. They were all so good, dude. I was blown away by how good, and I'm not, this is, again, this is not, like, they didn't tell me to, <laughs> to the read does not say all bang. Like, I'm just telling you, I'm ignoring the read now. I was I was blown away by how good Factor is. <clears throat> I ordered more right away. I was like, I need I need this. It's super easy because during the holidays I've I'm I'm out shopping. I'm out running errands. I got this holiday party to go to. I got that friend's party to go to. I got this thing to pick up. Not having to worry about lunch or dinner on a given day. I know the Factor's got me. It was just a huge help. They also they have smoothies, a strawberry banana, I had mango, a tropical fruit, all incredible, all delicious. Just a great way to start the day. I mean, I leave my house at 3.30 in the morning, opening my fridge, grabbing that smoothie and drinking that on the way to work. Super easy. And um, I really, really enjoyed my Factor meals. And I, I, I think you will uh, as well. Head over to factormeals.com slash candlestick50 and use the code candlestick50 to get 50% off. That's code candlestick50 at factormeals.com slash candlestick50 to get 50% off. That last part I read. I read that last part. The rest of it, though, not reading. That was off the dome. I love Factor. I rock with Factor. And uh, I think you will, too. Again, that's Candlestick50 at Factormeals.com slash Candlestick50 to get 50% off today. I have so much. I have other Brock Purdy stats to read to you. Let's do it. Did you know that he's on pace to set the 49ers single season passing yards record without the 17th game? Good stat. 
Thanks. He's on pace for 4,372 yards in 16 games. Uh, he's on pace to go over 4,600 for the season with the 17th game. Um, and then Nick Wagner, friend of the pod, just tweeted out uh, our favorite cast member. His counting stats are starting to catch up with his efficiency metrics. Here's his rankings in some standard categories. This is again from Nick. He is second in the NFL in passing yards right now. He is tied for second with 25 touchdown passes. He's leading the NFL in completion rate. He has a 70% completion rate, by the way, in seven consecutive games. That's bananas. Uh, His touchdown to interception ratio of 3.6 is tied for third. He's at 9.9 yards per attempt. Which is tops in the league. (laughs) FYI. Yeah, man. I mean, look. Again, we've had the MVP discussion a lot. The MVP, saying a quarterback is the MVP is not necessarily saying he's the best quarterback or that you would draft him first if all the quarterbacks were available in an imaginary draft scenario. But the Niners are going to be potentially, as of right now, through December 10th, I think you and I can both comfortably say that the Niners are Super Bowl favorites and considered widely as the best team in the NFL. Fair? That's pretty fair, yeah. Brock Purdy plays the most important position in the NFL for said team that we think is the Super Bowl favorites and the best team in the league. Correct. And all of his numbers indicate he's doing it at an extremely high level. And the vast majority of his numbers pitted against his peers say that he's first or second or third best Mm -hmm. among all quarterbacks in all these different statistical categories. Mm Mm-hmm. The MVP is generally a narrative award. If you're writing a narrative for the season, it's that the Niners are the best team. That's sort of the story of the season right now in terms of like winning games and being dominant. Mm-hmm. So that's Brock Purdy's MVP case. And if you want to denigrate him because he has weapons, like, okay, Tom Brady had Randy Moss. <laughs> Joe Montana had Jerry Rice. And Bill Walsh, Patrick Mahomes. Right? Like, <clears throat> Patrick Mahomes once had Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. And now he doesn't have the same weapons and the Chiefs aren't as good. And is Patrick Mahomes suddenly a, a dramatically worse player or is he suffering from not having a great supporting cast? You Crazy. need a supporting cast in the NFL. So anyway, I don't want to harp on the MVP thing. I'm fine if he doesn't win it. Like I'm, I'm not going to pound the table and say he has to win MVP. But mm-hmm. to just be completely dismissive because of his surroundings and his situation and all that I think is kind of ridiculous. Yeah, I agree. And that Everybody take won't age that. well. Yeah, that take won't age well if they win the Super Bowl. It's like, the okay, funniest, well, he won the Super Bowl. So. The funniest the funniest part of this is you and I would probably, if we had votes, vote for Tyreek Hill. <laughs> probably. But I joked a, with somebody in, in the um, in the press box press today. Box. Yeah, forgot what it was called for a second. It's like, man, Spend say Sam Darnold goes in, and goes, goes in and wins a playoff game for the Niners. This Brock Purdy discussion would hit a whole different pitch. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Not rolling it out, but saying that doesn't mean I, you know, I would denigrate Brock Purdy's MVP case at all. So, yeah, I don't know. I, I think this is, it was kind of like the game went about how I expected. Obviously the Drew Locke thing was, was a curveball, but like, I thought the 49ers would look a little flat. I thought it would be closer than anticipated. And then I was like, at some point though, I feel like the 49ers are still going to win by double digits. Like, yep. It just had not necessarily a trap game, but like a division game, a little weird. Brock Purdy throws a bad interception. Seahawks had a little bit more rest. Like their season's basically on the line. They'd never lost four in a row under Pete Carroll. Like it felt like it wasn't just going to be a walkover game. And it wasn't. And yet the 49ers still won by 12. Yeah, it would have. And it would have been more than that if Brandon Ayuk doesn't fumble in the fourth quarter. And and Nick and I were talking about that too. Like he mentioned, like the fact that Brock Purdy had the audacity to make that throw, which probably should have been intercepted. That was outrageous. It's sort of like a fair justification, not justification, fair. I don't know. it, It seemed fair that in that play, that probably should have been a pick. It resulted mm-hmm. in a turnover, although it was Brandon Ayuk just 
not having the situational awareness. Classic, classic teaching moment. Classic three points of the football fundamentals. Yeah. Um, John, I, I'm really apologize for probably mispronouncing your name. Um, John Ev G, uh, in, uh, in the YouTube chat asked how much of a concern are the defensive injuries? So switching Mm. gears a little bit, um, four hours entered the game without Eric Armstead at one point, um, in the second half, (laughs) at one point in the second half, um, Javon Hargrave went out. Uh, you lost Mooney Ward after the first series. And we don't have an update as to the severity of those injuries. Dre Greenlaw left for a minute, but he's played banged up all year. Um, Oren Burks also banged up a little bit. And so, no, I guess I'll ask you, like, how how concerned are you about these injuries? It seems like they're just kind of like tweaks and pulls, maybe with the exception of Armstead's knee. But it does feel like attrition is, is starting to mount up here a little bit. Yeah, that's kind of the, that's, that's the biggest concern for me is, is this just something that for the rest of the year, Javon Hargrave is going to be in and out with this hamstring thing or Mooney Ward is out for three weeks suddenly with this groin thing. I I don't, we don't know severity yet of, of any of these injuries, but, it's not like slam the panic button. The Niners are screwed, but you know, I don't know if they survive a three or four week run with no Traverius Ward. I think they can figure out how to, how to get pass rush without Javon Hargrave in the mix. I thought the interior line actually did a really nice job today. J- uh, Javon Kinlaw continues to just kind of be fine. I thought he was good today. Yeah, he. Had a, I thought Kinlaw, a, like when I when I focus in on him, I was like, oh, he's he's beating his guy. Yeah, it happens. Like running down the line of scrimmage and like having some have run stops. I was like, okay, this is like what he should be doing. Right, NFL player. And so I think <laughs> with him and Kevin Givens and our guy Kalia Davis, who I've finally got my eyes off of, um, <laughs> they like they'll be fine there. But yeah, man, with with how banged up their secondary already is, like they finally figured it out with Ward and Lenore and Ambry Thomas. Like that trio can play. Well, now it's Lenore and Thomas on the outside and Isaiah Oliver on the inside. Like that's okay. Don't know how good that secondary is. And now, do they run into that same problem where, hey, their secondary is not good enough, their pass rush isn't getting home, and all of a sudden the defense looks like it did in week six through eight? Certainly a concern. Yeah. That's I will the, that's the big one for me. When Mooney Ward went out during the first series and DK Metcalf had two catches and including a really nice touchdown grab. Mm-hmm. Um, I was like, oh, maybe this is just one of those games where they just like can't cover an elite receiver. And DK goes off for 180 yards and three touchdowns, like he did mm-hmm. against Dallas, right? I'm like, okay, well, we've seen this happen before, right? We saw it Julio Jones in Atlanta in December, early December. 2019 Niners came off an emotional win in New Orleans came home didn't have Richard Sherman and then Julio Jones basically single-handedly wins the Falcons that game that was nuts I was that was my first saw in the first quarter I was like yeah could happen no K1 Williams too right yeah no K1 Williams either um and then DK Metcalf doesn't have a single catch the rest of the game and the most notable thing that happens is a fight with Fred Warner which Fred Warner did a fine job instigating i was shocked there wasn't a flag on fred warner there dk met so it's my understanding was that fred wasn't thrilled with the fact that dk body slammed him which is what Greenlaw does all the time but alas right um and then after fred lateral which was completely unnecessary uh but after fred lateral he just goes and drills dk in the back of the head (laughs) it's just like also needlessly unnecessary but like you know if you're playing against a guy that you that you're not particularly fond of who plays for a division rival maybe you'll feel inclined to hit them in the back of the head from time and he had already he'd already gotten into it with diamador lenore earlier in the game yeah um and then dk grabs his face mask and tries to fight him and like the referee is trying to get in the middle of it and fred just has his arms out so fred is fully participating 
but he's not swinging or doing anything with his hands. And it was kind of genius because even though Fred was a key player in this whole melee, he didn't get a flag mm-hmm. <laughs> and he didn't get ejected <laughs> and he's not, he's probably not going to get fined for anything. Um, he might, he might get fined for that, for the hit. Maybe it was during a play though. That's, it wasn't that's like a, true. that's, it true. wasn't like a punch, like after the whistle. So, that's true. um, Lenore was probably going to get fined. I didn't. I didn't see what happened initially, and then I saw a video replay of him running into the crowd and throwing a punch. I thought he might have gotten a, initially ejected for that coming in and trying to break it up when he like gave a push to DK. Mm-hmm. But I thought it was. It took a lot of like in a very intense, heated moment. I thought it took a decent amount of restraint for Fred Warner just to like keep his arms out and not at all get his hands involved and just allow yeah. DK to, to be the one getting ejected and getting the flag. Because man, like was... 99.99% of players, if some dude is trying to fight them and grabs their face mask like that, like they're they're at least pushing. Right. They're not they're not just holding their hands out and just being like, come at me, bro. Right. <laughs> the was was it DK that punched Ambry Thomas earlier in the game too? No, that was Jackson Smith and Jigba. That's right. A little, a that little was Ohio a State, Michigan love. Classic, classic rivalry. Throw out the records when those two guys match up. Mm-hmm. That was the one of the funniest personal fouls I've ever seen because Smith and Jigba and Ambry Thomas were like face mask to face mask, and Smith and Jigba's got his hand on Thomas's face mask. And Thomas is like looking at the ref and pointing at him, like, "Do you see this? Like, do you see what he's doing?" And then Smith and Jigba, as the ref's walking up, punches him in the face. And drill flag. It was just the dumbest penalty I've ever seen. Kyle Shanahan said he was really proud of Ambry Thomas in that moment. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. By the way, Kyle Shanahan, um, I didn't see what shoes he was wearing during the game. White mm-hmm. cement threes to the podium. I. Awfully impressive. No chance. Yeah, part. no chance he was wearing those on the sideline. I think there's a chance he was. That means if he wasn't, that means he changed his shoes. Right. That's what I'm saying. I don't think he okay, would change yeah. his okay. shoes. Okay. Yeah. No, you're right. You're right. Um. Normally, like Shannon. So during the Monday pressers, when Monday pressers existed, Shannon <laughs> would just sort of wear like you wouldn't have to wear team gear. Like during the week, I think you have to wear team gear, but not Mondays. Mm-hmm. So you would be wearing like Lululemon melon hat and vuori whatever um and like he would wear yeezys mm-hmm. and but during games he would wear i don't know some like ho-hum nike running shoes cement threes kyle shanahan's getting ready for the playoff run oh he definitely is he's dialed what are the odds he got those from debo pretty good i think he probably got it from debo. The jordan athlete debo's yeah, Debo's got the plug. Yeah. Oh, he definitely does. But, I was really proud of Kyle Shanahan when I thought he called a fake punt. It turns out man. he did. It turns out he didn't. That was just pure football instinct by Mitch Wisnowski, which makes it even better for me. So like Mitch is having a hell of a year. Like He's you had- don't I there I don't think <laughs> I don't think there's any podcast that is a bigger collective support group for Mitch Wisnowski than this one. Shout out to Santa Barbara City Vaqueros. I would um, like to try and get him on the pod via Tabor Pepper. We might be able to, maybe in the okay. off season. Okay. Um, Mitch doesn't have he he doesn't have a ton to say, but he is That's a uh, he is a nice guy in my interactions with him. But so he hauls off on that um on that run on the punt. It was not planned. Right. It was just him making a play. Mitch Wisnowski just being a playmaker, being an athlete. A high IQ player. A high IQ player. And then Michigan alum Ronnie Bell falls over himself. That's how they teach it at that school, I guess. <laughs> didn't get the <laughs> didn't get the signals beforehand, didn't know what to at do. At first, at first I, I put out on Twitter, I was like, that's such a bad play, like two weeks in a row. Cause he had he fumbled a punt. <clears throat> it went out of bounds, but he still fumbled a punt. And then that, and everybody's like, he slipped, he slipped. I'm like, no, he threw a low block, like get over it. And then they showed the replay and he very clearly just falls down. (laughs) He was not, it wasn't even like he started to dive and then he was not, he just happened to fall the wrong direction. That was tough. That was, 
Now it was pretty player. apparent that he didn't know he was not expecting Mitch Wisnowski to run. And then like yeah. his reaction, he sort of just like momentarily lost control of his body and slipped. And then it ended up being like, I think it, it was the right call. Right. Like, oh, I yeah, think it was, no, it, it was just like an unfortunate flag. thing. It was the right, right flag. He didn't do it on purpose, but right. Yeah. Correct man. flag. But Ronnie Bell gets saved from being called an idiot. I don't know if I've ever seen a punter just make a play like that, though. That wasn't planned. Uh, not not like that. You'll see him like pull the punt back and then try and just kick it. But I've never seen a punter just pull the ball down and then take off. And I think I think Shanahan. I don't know if this was a joke or not, but I think Shanahan said he was they were he was clocked at twenty miles an hour. I don't think that was a joke. I, I mean, think the would... joke was at the was at the top when he was like, "Yeah, I just read that, and so I called my first fake punt." Yeah, we'll find out more on Monday. If you're listening to this, this story might be out there in Shanahan's conference call with reporters. But as of Sunday night, um, this remains a an unsolved mystery. But man, I think he actually did get clocked at twenty. He was moving, dude. Yeah, I mean, Mitch can Mitch can move. You remember that, like the preseason tackle oh, he had in Denver yes. when he was handling kickoffs. Yes, he just molly walked somebody. Is should Mitch Wisnowski be the Niners' fourth string running back? Why not? Who's to who say? would you rather? A game on the line, fourth and one. Who would you rather hand the ball to, Mitch Wisnowski or Ty Davis Price? I know who Kyle Shanahan's picking. <laughs> Jeremy McNichols. No. Hey, it's Chris and Kyle here with Prize Picks, the largest daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Super easy, super exciting way to play DFS, and it's just against the numbers, not against pros, sharks, or a million other players. It is you against stats. You pick more or less on two to six player stat projections, and then you watch the winnings roll in. Super easy. And now with basketball season here, you can pick combo projections across football and basketball from the specials league. It's right there at the top on the app. Super easy to find. That's a league created specifically for combo projections that includes two or more players from different sports or leagues. So for example, you get LeBron James and Travis Kelsey at a 10 and a half point combo of, or I'm sorry, a 10 and a half combo of three pointers made and receptions. So Travis Kelsey gets seven receptions. LeBron hits four three pointers. Uh, that entry is a is a big winner for you. So that's one of my favorite parts is is crossing basketball and, and football entries. I've been having a blast doing that. Uh, one of the things I love about uh, one of the things I love about Prize Picks though is that they offer Apple Pay for a quick and easy deposit. So if your boy goes on a little cold streak, uh, I'll be back in the saddle very quickly and very easily. Let me tell you. So if you want to join us, go to prize and I dude, I I'm telling you, I highly encourage it. Uh, go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Dude, that's a great deal. Go to prizepicks.com slash candlestick and use code candlestick for a first deposit match up to one hundred dollars. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Yo, it's your homies Kyle and Chris for Lamb Chops. SGLambchops.com is the website. They are the official clothing brand of Candlestick Chronicles. And follow them on Instagram at SGLambchops because they have some really cool looking stuff that your bland ass boy over here is not very good at styling on his own. And so I pop over to the Instagram. I see how other people are are dressing themselves in uh, maybe it's the Maybe it's the wolf shorts or the lion shorts, or maybe it's a pair of joggers, or maybe it's the ash gray hoodie that you and I love so much. And I, I base my outfits off of that, and it always makes me look dope, which is the single most important thing. And it's also comfortable. It's also high quality. Yeah. It's super stylish. They're conversation starters, honestly. They also have kids uh, kid sizes on here, too. Yes. That and is everything's correct. unisex. Uh, yes. we, we should point out also. So, um, no matter if you're a man or woman, these clothes will look great on you or a child or a child. They have children's sizes and a lot of their <laughs> stuff as well. Use promo code candlestick 20 today to get 20% off your order, or you can do it tomorrow or whenever candlestick 20 is a promo code any day of the week to get 20% off your order from sglambchops.com. Uh, shout out to them. We really appreciate their support and, uh, we would appreciate it if you support them. 
by going to sglambchops.com and ordering some dope, comfortable, high-quality clothing. Join the herd today. Oh, hey, do man. we want to talk about how insane it is that Debo Samuel is handling kickoffs? I was just going to say... Um... What the hell is happening? Like, I get, I get it. Like, I get Debo Samuel on kickoff return. Like, look, offense is dead. Need a big play. Let's see if we can spark it. But there's no reason for him to bring it out of the end zone ever. Like, if right. you think if you just want him to catch the ball, then have him fair catch it. You get a 25, call it good. There's an element of like, oh, Debo's being a leader. Debo's being a captain. He's taking it on himself to. To help us out with Ray Ray McLeod down. Like, I understand that. But yeah, just have Jeremy McNichols back to catch it in the end zone and start at 25. That's it, bro. It's giving, making Debo take more hits than he needs to take is an insane thing to do, especially when he's already missed three games ostensibly because of a shoulder injury. Yeah. Like, that is reckless. Yeah. And when Debo's running full speed, it's not like he's going to shy away from contact. Yeah, he's not going to go step out of bounds. Yeah, so I'm uh, I, I'm with you on that. I think it's a little bit needless. I understand it. Yeah, I understand sure. Debo, team captain, emotional tentpole for the good team. Return, all good return, good kick returner. I I mean, we think right. He definitely is. I'm sure he is, but like we don't really have a sample size to actually say that he is in the NFL level, right? He, like he did it in college and he was good at it. Yeah, but I don't know if it's something that they should really mess with. I agree. Um, he got mollywopped on one of those. That was like ugh. he did. Could I he finish did. up with one more special teams thing that's funny to me? Sure, and I have another Nick Wagner tweet that we can talk about. <laughs> regarding Brock Purdy. <laughs> okay, this has nothing to do... Look, do the Cowboys have an undrafted kicker who made multiple 50-yard kicks tonight? <laughs> <laughs> and he's not missed this year? Yes. This is unrelated. This is not a Jake Moody thing. Sure. It's not. It genuinely isn't. No, it doesn't sound like it, it's going to be at all. No, I was just noting that. Separate from <laughs> that bit. <laughs> the 49ers have now gone two consecutive games without even attempting a field goal. And again, that's not a Jake Moody thing. It's not like they've had opportunities for field goals and said, no, we're going for it on fourth and eight instead. That's not been a thing. But they also haven't attempted a field goal of longer than 39 yards since week seven. I just, that wow. that is mind-numbing to me that they've been that good offensively that they, because even the Bengals game that they lost in week eight, it wasn't that it wasn't like they couldn't move the ball. It just, they turned it over a couple of times in unfortunate spots, but yeah, they've been so good that they've not needed to attempt a field goal in either of the last two weeks. And they haven't been had one longer than 39 since week seven. That's wild to me. Yeah. And one thing that again, talking about with a couple other media people, he hasn't had a pressure kick really since the Cleveland game. So like, again, this is not, this is not bashing him, but it's just like he could go a couple months without needing to like make a big kick. And then it's like, all right, second round of the playoffs need this one. <laughs> it know? is insane that Robbie gold went 29 for 29 in the playoffs in his career. Yeah, it is underrated part about Robbie gold. But good crap. I mean, the Jake Moody thing isn't really a problem um, as of now. But yeah, like you still don't feel as good as you would had he made the kicks in Cleveland, or at least one of them. Um, did you read the one where Nick showed a screen a screenshot of the story that he, that he wrote? No. Okay. Um. So this is for from our guy Wagner at ESPN. Uh, for the season, Purdy is seventh in the NFL in air yards per attempt and ranks fourth in completions on throws traveling 10-plus air yards and 15-plus yards and fifth in completions on throws traveling 20-plus air yards. So Purdy ranks second in completion percentage on 10-plus yard throws and first in completion percentage on 15 and 20-plus yard throws. He also has six passing touchdowns of 40-plus yards this season, the most by Niners quarterbacks and Steve Young. Had seven in 1998. Wow. 
checking the ball down 40 plus yards in the air is insane. <laughs> He's good, man. He's good. I think uh, at some point we'll all have to realize that like, okay, it's time to consider this guy top 10, top 12 quarterback, irrespective of whatever. I mean, his drafts. I, I do think ultimately people are so bought into like quote unquote scouting and their initial scouting takes. And they just can't accept the fact that a guy who is Mr. Irrelevant can actually be like one of the best quarterbacks in the league without sure. being six foot four and super athletic and having a rocket arm. Yep. But at some point, like some of the best, some of the best, best athletes, I know talking is hard. Some of the best athletes define convention and that's what makes them special. Right. So maybe Purdy just ends up being one of those dudes that defies convention. And, and as time goes on, we're like, yeah, we've, He's really good at quarterback, and he did it without being 6'6 with a rocket arm. The 45-yard throw, <clears throat> throw to Brandon Ayuk was really, really that was a really, really good play. Where he gets uh, around in the pocket, he maneuvers in the pocket, nothing there. He escapes out to the left, keeps his eyes up, sets his feet, and then throws a dot down the sideline. Had he not gotten pressure early on in that play, I think he was going to hit Chris Conley for a 70-yard touchdown or however long it would have been. Because oh, yeah. Conley was streaking up the seam wide open. And mm. then Purdy had to move to his left because of the pressure. And that's when he he wound up and hit Ayuk. Mm. Um, but there were like... I'm Conley really was sad like, we were robbed of a 70-yard Chris Conley touchdown. That would have been a hilarious, <laughs> a hilarious play. But that was... That was my initial seat in the press, and again, I don't know what the read was, or if Conley was just a decoy to clear clear out space. Because I think ultimately, he did take two players with him to the deep middle, and then Ayuk got behind the the second second layer player. Um, but yeah, Chris Conley felt like he played a lot of plays today. Yeah, must be great in practice. Really good practice player for sure. Unlike Danny mm. Gray, apparently. He's not even practicing. It's true. Tough look. Um, Nick Bosa had a good game. Good Bosa game, yeah. Defensive line's good. Defensive line is good. Yeah, we'll see about Hargrave. Um, I, I, I wouldn't did be think shocked had a good a, game. I wouldn't be shocked if a bunch of dudes sit this week. Yeah, maybe. Like soft tissue, not going to push it. There's a lot of urgency for the one seat, though. That's true. There's I don't a know lot if of I urgency for the one seat. We can we can talk about this more in the middle of the week, but I don't know I don't know how confident I am that the Eagles are going to go into Seattle and win. I agree with you. They looked they looked bad tonight. I think like the they, Eagles are are regressing towards the mean in a in a harsh way right now. Yeah, yeah. They just well, it, it's really clear that Jalen Hurts isn't right, and when he's not, you take out that QB run element, and then when he's not able to create behind the line of scrimmage, it, it's just their offense is ugh, ugh. I tell yeah, you. Hurts Hurts eighteen and twenty seven. 197 yards, no touchdowns, no picks. Um, he had a fumble. Ran five times. Yeah, ran five times for 30 yards. Yeah, I was. I, I thought Dallas was going to win. Um, I didn't think it would be by 20 points. And no. I think the Eagles are one of the best teams in the NFC. I've never really thought. I thought they were better last year, and I thought last year they were definitely – the best team in the NFC, at least until Brock Purdy got rolling and the 49ers got Christian McCaffrey. Mm-hmm. But I think the Eagles are pretty clearly a team that's probably closer to, you know, eight and five than, than 12 and one. Watch them go into Seattle one by 30 next week. I mean, maybe. Maybe. And we'll see what Gino. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I I I thought Drew Locke was a little bit better than I was anticipating today. Yeah, I was kind of expecting it to be a disaster. 
Although he got away with what the Diomedar Lenore interception got called back for a Nick Bosa offsides. Yeah. And then there was another one. Traverius Ward dropped one. Yeah. He's really close to like a four pick day. But like Tyler Lockett's still a pain in the ass for the Niners to cover. Um, Metcalf had a couple of those moments. I'd be curious to do a deeper dive on why Metcalf only had two catches. Because it seemed like it it probably should have been a problem. But I guess, I mean, maybe Lenore's Lenore just had really a good, good. Lenore had a good game, man. Maybe he Lenore. Sh- should have been an interception. He had a pass breakup on Metcalf. Lenore had a yeah. good game. Yeah, sure did. So the Niners go to Arizona next week. I think it's like, it probably should be a blowout, but it wouldn't surprise me if like turnover here, Kyler Murray pulls a wild play out of his ass there. Like we see them sort of looking ahead to the Ravens game and, and it ends up being close. Like, I don't, is this, I think it would be, yeah, I think it would be shocking if Arizona won, but it wouldn't shock me if the Niners were sluggish. Yeah. And it took a quarter. At the same time, bro, like, I don't know. It, you're tie, You're in the one seed by the thinnest margin you can be the one seed by. by if you're going into a game sluggish, like I, yeah, then you don't deserve the one seed, frankly. <laughs> well, results are all that matters, but I get what you're saying. I, I just think like they should roll them, and I'm expecting them to roll them. But like, it wouldn't surprise me if it's like it's it's halftime and it's like like this game. You know, like after the first quarter, it was like Seahawks are outplaying them through one quarter. Um, yeah. And then it changes over the last three. But so you have Seattle at Arizona, Baltimore at home, which should be a great game um, at Washington on New Year's Eve and then home for the Rams. This is a lot of looking ahead. <laughs> I know it's only one week at a time, but <laughs> only have four games left. Um, I will say like. Rams frisky Rams are not a team that anybody in the NFC should be dying to host in the first round of the playoffs, like avoiding, avoiding the Rams in the opening round of the playoffs is not a terrible reason to, to try really hard to get the one seed. Rams, a bad, good team or a good, bad team. Rams are a good, bad team. They're a bad team. That is really well coached, who have a really good quarterback Are they and bad? two really good receivers. Kyron and Williams can play. A, and apparently a really good running back. But I think the rest of the team is still bad. I think the Rams might be good. I want zero smoke with the Rams in the playoffs. Yeah, you just don't. Like, that's a team that, like, <laughs> like Matt Stafford feels like Russell Russell Wilson when the the Seahawks were terrible, but when Russell Wilson could just beat you basically by himself. That's kind yeah. of what Matt Stafford feels like with Puka Nakua and Cooper Cup healthy. Yeah. So I wouldn't I know call they Rams lost OKC. OKC is like all young dudes. Yeah, like who's a good comp for the Rams? Like if like the Warriors I was going to say the 2022 Warriors. <laughs> yeah, like it's Steph Curry dragging just like, a bad team. <laughs> definitely not a championship caliber team, but they somehow won a title. Like yeah. That's, yeah. Like you just don't want to play that squad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, like, yeah, no, we can beat them six games later. Shit. What happened? <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. Matt Stafford goes for four bills and just yeah. carves you up. And you're like, wait, they're not even that good. How did we just lose? I want to real quick, before we wrap this up, give a huge shout out to my mom and dad, Mike and Kathy, and Mm. my mother and father-in-law, Mark and Anna. They, so Anna, my mother-in-law, is a big Vikings fan. My dad and my father-in-law, big Raider fans. My mom just enjoys going to football games. So they all went to Vegas for that game today. Oh, no. And if you didn't follow along, <laughs> the Vikings won 3 0 on a field goal that came after the two minute warning in the fourth quarter. <laughs> on a drive led by Nick Mullins. On a drive led by Nick Mullins. 
So uh, I got a photo because my mom, we have a family, we have like a family and friends group chat, right? And my mom is like live text, like live texting about the Niner game. Not like she's looking up and seeing stuff. Like she's like, she's what? And I'm like, aren't you at the game? And then I get a photo of her at the Raider game watching on her phone while there's football being played right in front of her on the field. She's dialed into the Niner game. Diehard fan, man. Your mom's a season ticket holder. She is. For the Niners, not the Raiders. That'd be nuts. Right. Yeah. Niners season ticket holder. <laughs> right. What'd they think of the stadium? T- TBD. Haven't talked to him much. Been busy okay. all day. I've talked to you more than I've talked to my parents. As one does. That's actually true like every week. On a football Sunday. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. I don't have anything else. Go back and watch the tape. Um, yeah. We'll hear about the injury updates from Kyle Shanahan early this week, and we will be back to talk more about the Niners being in the one seed, the game against Arizona, how the defense is going to have to react to set injuries potentially, and uh, maybe we can keep trying to convince people that Brock Purdy should be taken seriously as an MVP candidate. Groundbreaking. <laughs> <laughs> uh, ton- there's a bunch of people in here right now. If you don't subscribe to the channel, please do so. Uh, yep. Right down over yonder, hit that thumbs up button. Everybody who's in here, we would appreciate that as well. Uh, that helps us out a lot. Uh, and also hit that little notification bell. So when we go live, which we do a couple times a week and after every game, uh, you will be notified so you can check it out. Um, to everybody who subscribes to the podcast, thank you so much for doing that. Please rate and review. And if you're just listening to the podcast, also subscribe. Uh, we would we would appreciate that greatly. So And if... If you want to watch this on Twitter, you can do that. We're streaming live on Twitter at Candlecron. It is our, um, or I guess X, formerly Twitter, it's at Candlecron. Not a ton of followers, but I promise you, it's us. We don't have the blue check mark, but we are, uh, we are on there. No stick, no ickles. No stick, no ickles. By the way, Elon Musk still calls it Twitter. I'm calling it Twitter. Does he? Yes. Rory in the chat agrees. Still Twitter. Um, Shout out to Rory. Yeah, we'll talk to you guys later in the week. Uh, Niners won five in a row. Looking pretty good. Now they need to avoid losing three in a row. It's true. Can they do it? Disturbing pattern. Can they do it? We'll see. Goodbye, everyone. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.